Welcome to the Easy Answer Podcast. I'm Brandy, plant-based chef. And I'm Vanice, writer and plant-based adjacent. On this podcast, we explore thought-provoking conversations around food, share our point of view on current events, and explore how to be plant-based adjacent in this processed world. Hey, Vaughn. So, uh, I don't know. I was thinking the other day about grocery shopping because you know how much I'm obsessed with food. And... Mm-hmm. There's something about having to leave your neighborhood to get everything you want that just seems a little, I don't know, just a little frustrating. I feel like food is something that should be, when you pick a neighborhood that you're going to live in, it should consist of a grocery store. It should consist of a dry cleaner. It should consist of a laundromat. It should consist of some type of place where you can work out, like if it's a park or like a local gym. Um, and then some food, just in case you don't want to cook. So like restaurants and stuff like that. So I don't know. I see people on the train sometimes with bags. Um, that's a lot of work. Yeah. I like to have to, like, you have to stand outside of the line, stand outside of Trader Joe's. And there's such a long line. Yeah. And, and I like, especially if, you're not, if it's not your neighborhood, so you have to do that and then get right. on the train. <laughs> yeah. So I've stood out, I stood outside for an hour or so. You know, I stood outside. It took me like an hour or so with the standing outside, with the standing in line when you get there. So it's not like when you get there, you don't have to stand on line again. So you have to stand on line again, and there has to be someone to tell you where to go in the line. And then you have to take the train home. That's a huge commitment. And I'm just not willing to have that commitment to shop at Trader Joe's, you know, me personally. Some people are, you know, that's not my jazz, you know? Yeah. So what's what's your thought about, I don't know, the quality of food in different neighborhoods, like how depending on the amount of money that the neighborhood makes, it really does. It really does affect the quality of food. Has that been your experience as well? Like I said, you all know I'm from Harlem. I grew up in Harlem. Okay, (laughs) and I saw people like before they opened the Whole Foods, like they were announcing Whole Foods in Harlem on 25th Street. People were like put up signs like this is the end of the neighborhood, you know. And um, I mean, I will say that because and I don't live close to that Whole Foods, I still have to take the train to get to that Whole Foods, you know, but it's relatively close. So because that Whole Foods was there, is there now with so many more food options, there's more options in the grocery store that I walk to. You get it? Like the superfood. Oh, so you're saying that that, that, that Whole Foods I think changed the neighborhood influenced everybody in the community to add more health-focused options or better quality food to their, to their store. I do because remember you told me to like, I was trying to make this recipe. Brandy's always trying to give me plant-based recipes and I love it. And I remember I was trying to make those Swedish meatballs. I'm like obsessed with them, with lentils. And I needed to get like liquid smoke. And I was like, where am I going to get it from? And I thought like, oh, I have to go to 125th Street, which is several train stops away. And you were like, no, super full town, up the street from your house. <laughs> and I was like, and I went in there and I was like, it does. And it had like all the vegan cheeses that I wanted. It had way more options. But mind you, that Superfood Town is new. If I tried to go there five years ago, I would have none of those options. It would just be like dried out produce. You so, know? about that Superfood Town. When I first moved to New York, I lived 10 blocks from that now Superfood Town. What? Okay. That Superfood Town was not anything. Wasn't anything? Super about it. And to speak of the shift, 
I literally had to take the train to uh, like two or three neighborhoods above, like not even maybe like like a 15 minute train ride because I just couldn't take the quality of any of the yeah. grocery stores yeah. in that neighborhood. Yeah. And it's almost like, it's just insulting. You know, like you go there, you go to the grocery store and on the shelf, and I put this up on Facebook once. It was a little obnoxious of me, but okay. we all have our moments. <laughs> I put a post up on Facebook because I was in the grocery store around the corner from my house and the cheese on top, the sliced cheese, like the sergeant was molded. Mm-hmm. And I was so upset that I took a picture of it, put it on Facebook and tagged the grocery store. Yes, I know that that's obnoxious. I don't think so. I'm all about calling people out who are trying to sell you. <laughs> I was just speaking about things. So there was a grocery store around me before they changed owners. I remember one day I wanted some pancake mix and I didn't want to make pancakes. So Quaker Oats used to make this pancake mix that was oatmeal flour base. And I was like, oh, cool. When I found out about it, I thought it was really cool. So I go, they have it at the grocery store, five minute walk from my house, right? I go into the store, look at the expiration date. Thank goodness I have just like this habit of like looking at the dates on packaged food. Every last one of those boxes was expired, right? I put them all into my car. There are about eight boxes of them, took them to the counter and explained to the grocery. It was like, guys, these are all expired. You got to take these off the shelf. It's not cool that you have, you know, just this stuff in here. Okay. I leave. I come back to that grocery store and they restocked. They literally scratched off the expiration date and put the price over it. I yet you again, know how crazy you are. <laughs> I just moved to the neighborhood. <laughs> I literally put them all back on the thing. And I went back to the owner. And I was like, I said to Cashier, and I said, I need to speak to the person who runs the manager, the owner of this place. And they brought him up. And it was, I'm not going to say the race because I don't want to sound like totally bigoted. But one of them is the other. Yes. <laughs> but it doesn't. It doesn't. They come up to the to the counter and I just read them the riot act. I was like, it is absolutely unacceptable that number one, I had to do your job initially and let you know that you had expired food on your shelves. Then I took it off the shelves. You told me thank you. I come back to your store and instead of disposing of it like ethical people who are serving us food, what do you do? You scratch off. And you Girl, see throw and like ethical people. Not like put this on sale and okay, it's expired. So let's put We're it in sell it for 99 cents. Exactly. No. So yeah, no. So I'm happy it was okay. It was the same price. Same price. Unacceptable. Exactly. So anyway, thank goodness those owners are gone. The, the, the grocery store has been taken over by some lovely, absolutely amazing new owners, new management. Um, but yeah, like that's not cool. And I don't think stuff like that happens in every neighborhood. And I happen to live in a neighborhood that's not that bad. Yeah, you don't. You live in we we both live in neighborhoods that are sort of like in between, you know, like um upper class and middle class, you know. Mm-hmm. Like there's a mix of people yeah. from every group in our neighborhoods. 
you know. But I think that it doesn't matter where you live. I don't care if you live in the hood of the hood and it's only people that, you know, whatever. I still think you deserve quality food. I don't think that that should necessarily be tied to your ability to get quality groceries. I don't think that that's fair. And I think that that has to do with the classism in America, how we are like, oh, well, it's okay because these people are okay with it. No one okay with it and no one should be okay with it you know no one's like brandy telling them it's unethical <laughs> however <laughs> it's still unacceptable but i just stuff like that too my mother gets mad at me because like i will write a letter in a heartbeat you know i'm like that's the responsibility listen if you are serving Food, like food, is a big deal. It's the thing. It's one of the things that food, we need water, like major lives. So it's like that's that's a big responsibility, not only for people that like set, make food. I feel like I feel like chefs and restaurants. We have a responsibility as well to make sure that we're making food as good as possible, like as best quality, healthy. Like people are putting their lives in a certain like. I know it's a bit grandiose, but no, it is because you could die from a food parasite. Yeah, yeah. So like they're putting your logic in your hand, right? And for you to be the source of food, and for you to not take that responsibility seriously, I have a major problem with that. And like you said, we shouldn't. It should be a privilege to have a quality food. That's not a privilege. It's not like oh, only the elite can have access to food that's good quality. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean. I agree with you on that. And I also think the idea that like, you know, the world has shifted so that poor people are now the fat ones because they can't get produce and they can't get quality food and rich people are now the thin ones. Whereas like in like medieval times, the rich people were always that one because they could afford food, you know, only afford the food that they grew. You know, and you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's talks about us as a society and about who we, who we've become, you know, Mm -hmm. and it is sad. It is sad. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this episode guys, we're actually going to be talking to a real estate broker. Who's going to talk to us about the effects that, um, the quality of the talk to us about how the cost of real estate affects the quality of food like is there really a correlation around those things so stay tuned as we welcome ella butler into the conversation um that we're calling how do you know if your neighborhood's gonna get a trader joe's yes All right, so we are here today with Ella Butler. Um, hey, Ella, how are you? Welcome to The Easy Answer. Thank you for having me. I'm good. Hello, so, how are you? Our real estate expert. Yes, I. that's what I try to be. I try to be. Um, I'm busy. The market's busy. And um, my whole team is doing well. They said New York was dead, but it's not. Everyone did not move to Florida. It's a lie. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm 100% positive. <laughs> Because why are they giving us a month off if we move? You know, correct. Yeah, no. The, the 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 news was like you know Armageddon. New York's like. Did you see the thing Jerry Seinfeld wrote back to the guy who said New York was dead? There was like a battle of, you know, mm-hmm. New York and well, yeah. yeah, we we always bounce back. 
So Ella, before we before we get into our conversation, tell us who you are. And um, you said your company's busy. Tell us who you are, what it is that you do. So my name is Ella DeSosa Butler. I am a real estate agent with Compass, which is uh, one of the first uh, real estate firms uh, to go private, um, to IPO. We IPO'd about a month ago. Um, we have an interesting way of doing real estate because we really blend real estate and technology with traditional brokerage services. Um, I represent buyers, sellers, investors, landlords um, in you know sales and rentals. And I've been doing it for about 15 years, so a long time, and I really like it. Sweet, cool. <laughs> Great, so the conversation that we're planning to have today is, um, you know, the Easy Answer Podcast, it's all about wellness, food, and simple ways to um, simple ways to stay well. But we like to mix it up a little bit, and like we could sit around and talk about recipes. Ron and I could talk about food and teas and and all that kind of good stuff for days. <laughs> but we figured Brandon tries to get us all to suck on watermelon seeds. <laughs> no, that's, it, that's a delicious treat. <laughs> all right. <laughs> But we wanna we wanna evolve. We wanna evolve the show and, and kind of tie in things that like real life situations, right? So real estate and the effects that it has on on a neighborhood, um, a neighborhood especially when it comes to access to food. Yes. So we read this article um, that talked about the Trader Joe's effect. And if Vaughn, you wanna go into that, that would be great. Yeah, so they compared three grocery stores. It was Trader Joe's, Aldi's, and Whole Foods. And they wanted to let people know, like, the value of a Trader Joe's moving into your neighborhood, an Aldi's moving into your neighborhood, and a Whole Foods moving into your neighborhood. And they found that your home gets, you know, it gets a bump up in price if a Trader Joe's is, is a, if a Trader Joe's moves there. And then it's easier to sell. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I like Trader Joe's, but... I don't know about you. Every time I go to a Trader Joe's, I used to live in California and it was always a lot of, it was always a long line, long lines in Trader Joe's. And in New York, there's lines outside Trader Joe's, even before the pandemic. Who's been to the Trader Joe's or passed by the one on 72nd Street, right? Like, and I'm always like, I don't want to stand outside or line to go to the grocery store. Like, it's never that serious, you know? And so, yes, they have good stuff. And yes, they have my good dog chocolate peanut butter cups. But I don't want to stand there for two hours just to get groceries. And they were saying how the Trader Joe's effect, sort of like the idea of the Oprah effect, how she can automatically make things famous. When there's a Trader Joe's put in your neighborhood, your house is worth it. The value of your home goes up. So we just wanted to talk to a real estate person. And it's like, why do you think that is? Huh. There are a couple of reasons why that is. So. In, okay, let's do just you agree it. with it. Do you agree? I do agree with it. Yes, I do. And in fact, I have had clients who are investors or not looking to buy, they're just looking for an investment property. And the way I help them to help them to identify that property, one of the ways is conveniences or um and you know, is there going to be a Whole Foods there? I've actually looked for the next Whole Foods so that I could help my investor buy a property that had good price appreciation. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. So when you go to areas like the Bronx or parts of Brooklyn that are food deserts, you know, there aren't very many grocery stores within a two mile radius. In New York, that's a big deal because we take the train everywhere or we, you know, take public transportation. So if there's not a grocery store within a mile, you know, 
how are you getting back? How are you getting all your food? You know, right? You know, does that like in the South Bronx? You know, that would be a problem. In East Flatbush, Brooklyn, that would be a problem. You know, like, do you think that those neighbors, like, is it a sign that those neighbors are going to turn over like Newark? Like, if they put a Whole Foods in Newark, we're like, oh yeah, Newark is the best, the next best place to live. Is that is that fine? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the sense that before Whole Foods makes that decision, there has been so much research put into, can this neighborhood support this Whole Foods? So that means they know the trajectory of the neighborhood. They know the, you know, what the incoming residents and buyers, what their income profile is looking like. So that's going to give me as a buyer or an investor, a clear indication. They've sort of already done the research for me. Yeah, because they sort of, I mean, they call Whole Foods whole paycheck. And they hate when people say that, but it but sort of true. is. When Amazon bought it, it's still expensive. But they also did Aldi's in that study that we read. And was, Aldi's yeah. has like cheap food, but they're owned by Trader Joe's, right? No, yeah, no, I didn't know that. I've always seen yeah. Aldi's. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. That story is really interesting. So they're based out of Germany. All these is based out of Germany, and it was started by two brothers. And one of the brothers wanted the Aldi store to have like alcohol and cigarettes, and the other one didn't. So what they decided to do was to take the same store and split it into two different into two different um, brands. So the orange and the orange and blue brand that we know today, like that's that's Aldi's and. In Germany, there's an orange and blue Aldi's, and there's a red and white Aldi. Aldi's. Yes, I, I lived in Germany for a summer, and I remember yeah. that. So when, <laughs> yeah. right? So when when yeah. Aldi's came to the United States, they switched it um, and they turned it to Trader Joe's, but it's literally the same the same brand. But Trader oh, Joe's really? brand allows you to be able to sell alcohol so that's why trader joe's has that wine line because those two brothers couldn't figure out like how to make it make sense in the same store so that's the the random history of the aldi's double brand that is now trader joe's in the united states i did not know that interesting yeah. and i've, I've seen all in syracuse that's the only place i've ever seen one yeah, yeah. you know on 17th street by where the costco is you know Oh really? Oh, that mall. Yes. Yeah. And there's one or two. Now, I mean, now there's one in the in the Bronx too. Down the West Bronx, there's one at two thirtieth and Broadway as well. Hmm. Okay. And is there one in the where the Yankee Stadium is? Is there Aldi's over there? No, that's not. A, that's a food bazaar over there. Ugh, not food bazaar. Oh, food bazaar, but that no. Don't sleep on food bazaar now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Now I know about the history of Food Bazaar Pre, the ones that are kind of being developed now, but the new ones, it's like they're building them for like potentially the, the audience that may be coming to this neighborhood down the line. I mean, you're talking about whole like natural sections inside of this. I was able to find Coco June at the at that food bazaar. That's the good, that's the good um, non-dairy yogurt. So you know. I just go in and like pick stuff up. I'm like, I'll think, you know, I need to be more thoughtful, but yeah. But it's just so interesting that real estate and grocery stores go hand in hand. You know, if you live in a neighborhood that's not a great neighborhood, we consider a food desert. You only have, you have a lot of fast food options, but not that many grocery stores. So the idea is like, it almost feels like it's like you only deserve to eat well if you're, if you make a certain amount of money. And that's messed up. 
Well, it's interesting because like Whole Foods, one of the ways they do research, one of the most like, you know, important ways they decide where to put a store is determining the, um, the education level of a neighborhood. So uh, more highly educated neighborhoods, they make the assumption that they're more well-read, more sophisticated, more up on health information and dietary information, and that they can support this, you know, supermarket. So well, I don't know if a lot of people know that, but yeah, the educational level of a neighborhood will most decidedly determine where the Whole Foods will be. Mm, that's interesting though, because you see lots of people coming, like I live in the Bronx. You see lots of people on trains with bags from Trader Joe's, Whole Foods. People are constantly leaving their neighborhoods to go to access these places that where there's an assumption that just because you don't, I don't know, your neighborhood doesn't have like education, it, it's not going to be, it's not going to make business sense, right? And that's kind of crazy. Like even, I mean, I'm going to go on record and we just have to deal with this, you know, figure it out. I personally won't support Fresh Direct because of that. But like because of that, I love Fresh Direct. I love their philosophy. I love them. And I, I, on the other hand, let them deliver to my house. They're coming tomorrow. All the time, right? Like <laughs> yes. I can't. I can't get past the fact that I used to live in a neighborhood in the Bronx that didn't the education level, like you said, based off of the data that they that they pulled out didn't support them stopping their truck in that neighborhood as they went through the neighborhood to the more affluent neighborhood past us. I think that's personally ridiculous. I'm going to tell classism. you why. You can't deal with the classism. <laughs> it can't cost you. I'm not saying that you have to deliver to every neighborhood every day, right? Mm -hmm. You have to deliver to every neighborhood every day. But if there were two days on that route or whatever where you stopped, and you like dropped food to the neighborhood that you rolled through on the way to the more floor neighborhood. Like that's ridiculous. And then when they came to the Bronx, they had the nerve to think they were going to come and have a warehouse here and not still not deliver to the people here. Like how crazy is that? So those are the types of things that I think that companies, I know that there's all this data that people are using and I get it. I love, I love numbers. I love stats. It makes perfect sense. Like you make assumptions based off of data, but data is only as good as like the people that you sync that data up to. And, and it, it's not a perfect science. It's not a perfect science. It's right. good. It's not a perfect science. No, I agree. And Don and East and I were having this discussion the other day. I forget what we were speaking about, but you know, I was saying, you know, in this country, like, you know, America is a business, right? We're a country, but like, we're a business first, I think, in a lot of ways. And if the money is there to support it, and it's easy for them to see the money, then things will get done. And in a lot of ways, that's messed up, because the humanity aspect of it gets, you know, is missing, because all they're looking for is the direct path to green, and no obstacle can stand in front of it. And so, yeah, it's... It's a it's a little bit of a mess, but I think it, it's what comes down, you know, that's what it comes down to for most of these companies. The easy, think, the easy dollar. And do you think I mean, I don't know, is there anything that that people could can do to kind of shift this? Do you think that there's even a possibility for these things to like shift if if the way to get you know, a Whole Foods in your neighborhood, a Trader Joe's in your neighborhood, or Aldi's in your neighborhood, or any of these um you know, I think I'm actually a good person to ask that question to because I have a friend who is very, you know, health conscious, um, you know, into Chinese medicine and very into, you know, what he puts in his body. And we used to have this conversation a lot 
there was a time like when I was starting out in real estate and you know, the dollar was tight because you know, we're commission based. And so I was trying to save money and I come from a background, like, you know, a West Indian background where you don't have money and you eat what we call bully beef and rice. Like she loves that term, bully beef and rice. I don't even know what that is. You have to describe that. What is bully beef? <laughs> no. It's a big plate of rice with like corned beef and onion. It's like, you know, about oh, beef. every every culture, we yeah. also have peasant food. Like a meatloaf. Yes. yes. And so I would tell him, you know, I'm, I'm going to go get this and it's inexpensive. And he's like, you know, you shouldn't do that. You should go to the farmer's market and get this, this and this. Because he was making a lot less money than me, but he spent more of his paycheck on quality food. And so from my vantage point, I was just like, that's too expensive. I can't afford that. And he would say to me, but you should be able to afford it because at some point your health is going to suffer. And that's when you're really going to see the cost of it. Right. You weren't just and feeding you. Who else were you feeding? I was feeding a family, right? Yeah, a three yeah. other people. Yeah, you yeah. Know, that's true. Like he was like, okay, you might think it's expensive now, but when you get sick, it's really going to be expensive. So, you know, you should really think about what you're putting in your body. So I guess what I'm saying is I sort of come from, I'm a person that I need to sort of be more educated and maybe as populations that are really concerned about just keeping the roof over their, their heads starts to, you know, think to step away from that, that, that mindset and really think about, it's not just now it's the future. And I think a lot of people don't, cause I know I don't, you know what I mean? And I think that that's what's going to end up changing the way these um, companies react to people. When we start to really put, when we, we take the time out from the hustle and the grind to really see that putting our money in, into good quality food makes sense. Yes. Really. Cause I do think that a lot of people who are struggling and living below, you know, um, living on the fringes, we, you know, cause we're, when I have, I didn't really take the time to think about that stuff. And it was only when my health started to suffer that I, that I understood what he was saying, which is that, you know, spend a little bit more now. So it doesn't cost you more later. Mm -hmm. And what's, I, I don't know, for me, I, what, especially as somebody who does food and does food, like always figuring out how to do healthy food on a cheap, it really is an education thing because it really does not cost that much money to eat well. It does not cost that money. What it, it will cost you time because the thing about the difference in eating healthy with money and eating healthy without money is the convenience factor. But that's the case across the board, right? You go buy a bowl of chicken soup from a restaurant, it's going to cost you the same price or like a little more than the price of making a whole pot of homemade chicken soup at home. So like there's always this thought process that Healthy food is more expensive because I can go to McDonald's and I can get a, I don't know, a double burger with double quarter pound or whatever, a quarter pound with cheese for 99 cents, right? But if I go to, if I get the salad, even at that same establishment, it's going to cost me like four to five dollars. So that's like four to five times more. But it's the convenience factor, right? Making a burger at home actually is going to cost you about 15 cents if you actually made it at home, like per patty, if you actually went and broke down all those ingredients versus like if you buy a salad out and we go to what sweet greens what does the salad cost you like 15 bucks right but you could take 15 bucks and make salad for a week so i think you have to shift the conversation to eating healthy conveniently is expensive not eating healthy overall right and i i think also shifting um our mindset in like you know old ella thought 
I got to feed my family until they're full, until we're all like, we're stuffed, right? So a part of the education is realizing that you don't need to feel stuffed to be satisfied. No. So I think, and, and a lot of times, what's the food that stuffs you? It's the cheap, you know, carby, what we call like white food, the white rice, some potatoes with a ton of butter on it. So, or, you know, just that cheap eating is what kind of like stuffs you. And I think we're so used to thinking that that is how we're supposed to feel. Yeah. yeah, we don't know like exactly what satiation feels like. It doesn't feel like I mean, open up my pants and roll them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. so. exactly. exactly. Cool, cool, great. So, um, yeah, this was a great, a great conversation. Um, I think we're going to bring Ella back to continue the conversation uh, next week. But we're gonna um, we're gonna end here for today. Vaughn, you have any last words? I'm saying that I love Fresh Direct. They deliver food to my house. <laughs> don't don't sanction us because Brandy don't like you. I like Fresh Direct. <laughs> I like Fresh Direct. I don't know. <laughs> I think that like I, the concept is great. I was going to them, but they 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 freaking but they discriminated against my neighborhood at the time. And right. I you after this. You know how when, okay maybe when they started out their business model, it was very small. And they so they by, literally the neighborhood they wanted, and as they expanded and got more money, they wanted to offer it to more neighbors. If that was the case, when they actually moved their warehouse to the borough, they would have had a plan to offer it at least to the borough where their warehouse was. So no, that wasn't their plan. Their plan was to come here, take the subsidies, and still discriminate against the people here. Not okay. Well, people. I really feel brandy. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I want to like fresh direct. I literally would have been an early adopter. <laughs> they rejected me, so they will never have my business now. <laughs> so funny. Okay, so that's my final note. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for um, checking into the Easy Answer Podcast, guys. Until next time, remember to keep it super easy. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. Tune in each week for a new episode. And stay connected to us on Instagram and YouTube at The Easy Answer Podcast.